At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we step into the new year, we're turning to the book of James for our message series, Live the Truth. In a culture preaching the power of whatever feels right to you, it's time to set aside positive vibes for a truth you can stand on. Join us as we answer James' call to reject the latest feel-good message for a mature faith. Well, um, let me ask you now to open up your Bible to James chapter one. We're uh, we're in this series called uh, we're in the series about the book of James, and uh, really more to do with how we are to live the truth, not just live your truth, but to live the truth. And so, if you would open up the Bible to uh, the letter of James uh, in chapter one, uh, if you would. If you don't know where James is in the Bible, uh, I just want to help you with that for just a moment. Uh, James is toward the back of the Bible, so if you're flipping through and you find the book of Revelation, and you go just a little bit to the left, and you find the the book of Hebrews, James has just kind of slid right in there uh, between Hebrews and Revelation there. And so if you're kind of uh, thumbing around, go to the back. You'll find it there. The words of our text will be on the screen for you as well. So let me invite you to stand, um, and I will read this passage for us, James 1, 5 through 8, and then 19 through 26 uh, for us this morning. Let's give our attention to the Word of God. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and he goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious, does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Well, Lord, how we thank you that you supply the wisdom that we need. And so in this very moment, we ask you for your wisdom. We ask you for your, your grace and, and understanding and humble hearts. Maybe uh, hear what is said here and with meekness, with hum- humility in our hearts this morning, receive the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. Would you speak here among us today? And as we receive, may we... As we, as we receive your wisdom, may we be people who cherish it and love it and act on it because you are gracious and good. So thank you now that you've spoken. Help us as we listen. And we ask for your spirit to work among us here in this place. We give you our lives and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm sure that all of us uh, have had the experience and wrestle with the, the difficulty uh, these days of getting from point A to point B. 
It's, it's, it's a human problem for us in traveling around. Let's just remember, you know, you, you and I have times where we're invited and called to go to places and addresses that we've, we've never been to before, and getting there is often difficult. Maybe. Uh, maybe. It used to be a lot harder, I think, for us. Uh, we, we used to have to do something like really, really difficult. If you had a friend's house that you were going to and you'd never been there before, you had to sit down with them and ask them to give you precise instructions over the phone about how to get to that place. And they would probably, at least this is how I remember it, they would probably give you monuments or, or milestones or landmarks to tell you like, here's where to go and how to turn. So you'd, you'd hear something like, well, okay, to get to my house, you, you drive down this street and you go for a little ways. And if you see the Kroger, then you turn left there at the Kroger, and you go a little bit farther, and at the third stoplight, you turn right, and you go over a few speed bumps, and right there, it's a house with the blue blue stuff, you know, blue big door there. That's, you're it. You're there, and you'd write that all down, and then you'd, you'd walk yourself mentally through it, and then you'd get there, and, and that's how we did getting directions. And then along came this, this wonderful invention, mostly, maybe not, nah, not at all, but uh, it does have its good points, and that was the internet. And the internet, all we had to do was get on a keyboard and type in the person's address in MapQuest, and it would give us this detailed list that our friend usually gave us, but now it had street signs and stoplights. And what you and I would do is we would, we would take that MapQuest direction sheet and we'd print it out. How many of you remember printing out directions somewhere? Yeah, all right, you're with me on this. We'd print it out and we'd take it in our car with us. And so we're looking on the sheet and we're driving and we're going, am I going to get there? Like, oh, I missed the turn. So you got to U-turn it. And like, that's how we would do it. And then wonder of all wonders, one more great invention came along. And that's our smartphones and the GPS built right into it an Apple Map. Maps. And Apple Maps has never led anyone astray that I know of, except for the one guy who's in the lake. But, but all we have to do is say, hey, Siri, and we tell it, like, give me directions to such and such. And it, if your phone's blowing up right now, I'm sorry I used the command there. But it just, gives us the, uh, it just gives us the automated directions point by point. We press go, and it tells us how we're to head. It tells us where we're to go and the turns we're to take. And we just, nobody thinks about it anymore. We just say it or type it in. Press play, and we go, we go. I would love, I, I, I don't know about you, but I would love it if I had that kind of direction and that kind of uh, uh, direction, that kind of instruction for how to live my life. What about you? Uh, <laughs> there's so many times and so many scenarios and so many struggles that we, that we wander into and that happen to us that we just, we're perplexed, especially when things are hard especially when life is difficult and we're struggling in, in many ways, when we don't know what to do, we don't know how to live, we don't know how to walk and navigate the points and tensions of our lives and relationship with other people and, and in this world, when we don't all that, we would, we, when we don't know all of that, we would love to have wisdom. We'd love to have clear insight and direction. And I think that's one of the things that we need to consider as we talk about this, this reality of maturity as followers of Jesus. I, I issued a challenge to us last week, and I'm going to continue to issue this challenge week after week, and that is that we would not be just people that are stagnant in our faith, and that we wouldn't just be people that kind of rest on wherever we're at in Christ and say, you know, I'm doing pretty good, and that's good enough, but that we would be people that seek maturity, that we would seek growth, that this year, 2022, would be a year of spiritual maturity and growth for us. And last week, we looked at how suffering is a means by which God produces growth in us, that navigating through the trials of our life is an area where he works within us and he works perseverance in us so that we would be mature, complete, as James puts it here in verse 4, lacking nothing. 
But an essential component to maturity is the need for wisdom. It's one of the key virtues that is necessary for us to be whole and complete as human beings. When you think about, well, how necessary is wisdom? I don't think our culture gives a lot of credence to wisdom today, at least wisdom from God. We, we like the idea of uh, um, we like the idea of people giving us ideas or help or counsel or, or just some sort of like, you know, choose your own adventure way of life. But, but we, we, choose, we pick and choose what we do want to hear and what we don't want to hear, what we do like and what we don't like. And wisdom as a whole is just kind of, yeah, that's kind of for the ancients. You know, that's old people stuff. We don't receive too much when it comes to instruction, especially, especially when we're in our youth. I noticed in the scripture how when, when King Solomon was at the pinnacle or the very beginning pinnacle of his youth leading into the kingdom, God comes to him and says, Solomon, I'll give you anything. What do you want? I mean, just carte blanche, blank check. What do you want, Solomon? And Solomon is smart enough in this moment to recognize that the one thing necessary and needed, the one thing that would be most beneficial for him and the kingdom that he's about to lead isn't prosperity, it's not wealth, it's not a long life, it's, it's not fame and glory. He asks for wisdom. He, he says to God, I'm young, I don't know how to lead this people, so give me understanding, give me insight, give me wisdom. God loved that request. Solomon knew wisdom was necessary. In fact, he says in the Proverbs, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. To those who hold her fast are called blessed. Solomon would tell us the most necessary thing for life today and navigating life is wisdom. Get wisdom. Human flourishing. Human wholeness. Completeness. Maturity. As we're called to rest on being wise. But, but it leads us to the, ask the question, well, what kind of wisdom? Where are we going to get wisdom? What is this wisdom that we are really needing? And, and, how, and because it's so necessary, where does it come from? What should our source of wisdom be? Well, I'm not talking to you today about uh, the philo philosophical ideations of the ancient Greeks like Aristotle and Plato. Read them. They're helpful. Great. But, but I'm not talking about their wisdom, nor is the wisdom that we need found in the insight and instruction of whoever your favorite pop culture icon is, whatever political leader you, you want to listen to and get wisdom from, or, or whoever the uh, news uh, media celebrity is that you watch the most. That's not where wisdom comes from. In fact, the scriptures say wisdom of this world, the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he will catch the wise in their craftiness. Rather, the wisdom that we need is the wisdom from God that the Bible describes. James, in this very letter, he talks about it. He says, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, and then it's peaceable, and it's gentle, it's open to reason, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's impartial, and it's sincere. Wisdom is the revelation or the word of God applied to our lives so that we live in alignment and skill with him and his ways. Let me say it again. Wisdom is the revelation or the word of God. I'll 
apply it directly to being the scriptures, but wisdom is the revelation of the word of God applied to our lives, lived out so that we will live in alignment and skill with God's will and his ways. Or as one scholar has beautifully put it, wisdom is the supreme and divine quality of the soul whereby man knows and practices righteousness. The supreme and divine quality of the soul whereby a man knows and practices righteousness. Friends, without wisdom, we won't know how to live well. And if we're honest, and I'm being honest with you here, we have a lot of blind spots, me included. There's a lot of areas of ignorance and foolishness in our lives that requires us to need wisdom. And so we're at a point here where we have to ask, where is wisdom found and how do we get this wisdom? Without wisdom, we will not be complete, whole, mature people. We need wisdom. And that's what mature faith pursues. Mature faith seeks God's wisdom. As we're looking at this idea of maturity from the book of James and how to grow, not just living our truth however we define it and writing our maps to lead us to wherever we want, but as we're looking to the truth, the word of God, we're asking, how do we grow? And so as we are looking to grow, we need wisdom. We need to grow. It's mature faith that seeks God's wisdom from his word. And in seeking and having God's wisdom from his word, it lives out and obeys and practices the word of God, bearing fruit in good ways. I want to draw out from these passages that I read this morning three practical steps for us to help us access the wisdom of God and apply it in our lives. I want to take these three practical steps so that we will know where to get wisdom and how to live it out as we receive it. First of all, James tells us that God's wisdom is received upon request. That God's wisdom is received upon request. Look with me at verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, I, I'll raise my hand. I'm often at the front of that line. You, you probably should be right in toe behind me with this, all right? Here's, here's a, a man who has self-awareness, who understands his own heart and his, understands his own life, and he says, I, I lack wisdom. And so James says, if that's you, if you lack wisdom, let him ask God. I mean, the, the instruction here is straightforward. It's clear. It's not, not opaque in any way. Like, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Go right to him. Plead with him. If you lack wisdom, ask God, and God gives generously. He gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. I find that James is so helpful for us here because he's saying if we lack wisdom, then we should be more humble, more acknowledging of the fact that we do lack wisdom. Like with all the various and complex decisions that we make every day, we need wisdom. Researchers have estimated that adults make some 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000. I would guesstimate that if you have small children, you're probably making close to 50,000 decisions every day. And, and one research project at Cornell University determined that we make 200, estimated, we make 227 decisions a day just about food alone. I mean, think about how complex that is, how many choices we have in front of us. And, and I struggle with how do, we, how do we know we made the right one? How do we know that in this interaction with that friend or, or in this conversation or in this attitude or in this response that, that the right one was the one I chose? Uh, and we, we might play the what-if game that Marvel Comics plays, and we, we look at this multiverse and we go, well, if I'd just chosen one different decision, if I had one different reaction here, would it have changed the entire course of the universe? 
in my life? How do, we, how do we bear with that? James says we need wisdom. And so because we lack wisdom, let's go to God. Let's ask him. Let's go right to the architect and the source of wisdom, God himself. And we need to see that God is the one who's going to give generously. You might say, well, I don't know about God. If I go to him, like, if you knew the sin I committed this week, if you knew the attitudes I have, if you knew what was going on in my brain and in my heart, like, you'd take a few steps back from me. So knowing if I go to God that way, like, he's going to take a lot of steps back because he's holy and I'm not. That's not God's disposition at all. If you need wisdom, God is not going to withhold his good from you. In fact, he hasn't. Wisdom isn't out of reach for most of us, except for an elite religious few. Wisdom is available for all, from God who gives abundantly, sincerely, and directly. He loves to answer this prayer. God loves to give wisdom. John Calvin, he put it this way, God is so inclined and ready to give that he rejects none or haughtily puts them off. God is not like the miserly and the grasping who either sparingly give as with a closed hand or they give but little or give only a part of what they're about to give. God is not one who who has a long debate with himself about whether to give or not. He gives generously to all without reproach. When you come and you ask God for wisdom, God doesn't hold his nose and stand far back and just give you just as little as he can of wisdom. He supplies it all. He's generous and gracious. He doesn't go, you stink. I got to stand far off. He draws near and says, I love to give you himself. And this is, this is so true. The scriptures tell us God who didn't, this is Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, the God who, who gave us his son, the father sent the son to come and live the perfect sinless life that we have not lived, to die in our place for our sins, was raised to life again. If God did not spare his own son, but sent him to the cross, gave him up for us all, how will he, also, how will he not also with him, with Christ, graciously give us all things? Wisdom is part of the package of having and knowing and being in Christ. He will generously give it to you. Christ is the wisdom of God. And since God hasn't withheld his son from us, he won't withhold giving us insight and the daily practical wisdom we need to live well in righteousness here in our lives. So friends, if you're unsure what to do and how to navigate through the seasons and situations of your life, let's start here. Go to the Lord and ask for wisdom. Plead with him for insight and clear direction and how to live and practice righteousness. God wants to give that gift. Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. If you don't know what to do, pray. Ask God for that wisdom. Invite those in your community, and your life group to, to come around you and say the same prayer, to pray with you. Lord, give my brother, give my sister wisdom in this situation. Help them know your will and your ways to navigate through these issues, to walk well with you, to live skillfully because the Lord is not stingy in giving. He gives generously. God's wisdom is received upon request. But not only that, James says that God's wisdom is requested by faith. Now James begins to address the posture, the attitude that we have about how we would come to God. So so how do we approach God to proceed proceed and to ask for this wisdom? Is there a right right way to request God's wisdom for our life? Absolutely. Look with me at verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. 
For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. James says we are to ask in faith. Faith here is is trust. It's dependence. It's the complete and sure reliance upon God that he does what he says and that he provides what he promises. That God is reliable. He is sure. He is dependable. And faith says, because of who you are, God, reliable, dependable, sure, you keep your promises, all of my hope, all of my life is banked on you. You are my source of wisdom. You're the only one I'm resting on. That's the attitude that we come with. God, I'm trusting you. I need you. I, I, I'm weak without you. We're all in. Faith says we're all in on God and his wisdom for us. So that's how we're to come with that faith. And, and James contrasts it, he says, to the negative, not with no doubting. With no doubting. We'll have to ask here, what does he mean by doubt? What is this doubting that James says is prohibited in coming to God and asking him for wisdom? James here doesn't mean that we can't ask God questions. He doesn't mean that we can't have things that we don't understand or are confused by about him and about his word. James isn't saying, like, you've got to have it all buttoned up and be perfect in knowledge and know everything and just, just come blindly to God. No, that's not what kind of doubt James is talking about here. The doubt that James is talking about here is cynical. It's suspicious. It's It's jaded. It believes the worst, and it, and it makes sure that it has someone else to fall upon. It's saying, you know, God, I'm going to come to you and ask because I probably should, and that's maybe the religious thing to do, but I've got backup plans here. I've got contingencies around my life, just in case I don't either like what you have to say or I just don't want it. That doubt, James says, is divided the word doubt here has the idea of being divided or duplicit. It's split. It's, it's banking on many different things. It's a diversified spiritual portfolio. Human flourishing and human wholeness isn't found in this kind of asking. The doubting person, James describes, as like one who is thrown, there's like a wave of a sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. There's a place off the coast of Norway called the Monstrokman Maelstrom. Just a mouthful, and it sounds terrifying, even in itself. The Maelstrom there is a, a churning body of water where nothing rests. You can actually look on like Google Earth and see. You can see it, actually, because of the, the change of the color of the ocean there at that point. The currents there are, are powerful and, and agitated. Nothing is settled. It creates a kind of whirlpool environment there. Uh, it, it was the stuff of legends, Edgar Allan Poe and Jules Verne, uh, and others made the Maelstrom characters in their stories to represent the power of chaos and the destructive nature of it. The Maelstrom sucks in and destroys and, and breaks apart all the good around it. That's the double-mindedness of doubt that James speaks of here. It's the kind of doubt that says, I'll ask God, but I'm going to diversify my portfolio. Uh, he may not have the best advice, and so I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's the kind of person that would say, God, give me wisdom. And then they go out and consult a horoscope for that same wisdom. James says that chaotic double-mindedness isn't faith. And then this person, as he says, must not, in verse seven, must not suppose that they will receive anything from the Lord. They're a double-minded man, unstable in all their ways. They're a walking maelstrom, churning, never at peace, never settled. The word double-minded here is really the word divided soul. 
They're split to the core. They have no wisdom. So James, in telling us the negative, he instructs us to come back to the positive. Sincere, single-minded trust and dependence is how we should come to God in requesting wisdom. He alone is the source of wisdom, and he knows the best and the right and the clearest way to maturity and wholeness. God, the author of righteousness, wants to lead you in righteousness. So to to go to God and say, God, give me wisdom, but I'm kind of half in on what you have to say, you're not going to get any wisdom. You're not going to receive it. It's it's not going to be there for you. But to go with simple faith, sincere faith, say, God, speak, lead me, give me wisdom, he will answer that. God's wisdom is requested in faith. So friends, will you ask it? Will you trust him? Will you go to him for that wisdom? God's wisdom is received upon request. God's wisdom is requested in faith. And thirdly, James says that God's wisdom results in action. Now here's where we find wisdom having its result. Here's where we talk about where God's wisdom is truly found. God's wisdom is given to us in the word of God. His wisdom is not a secret. It's, it's not some mysterious thing out there that we have to get into some metaphysical trance to kind of find and have, or we've got to tune our prayer attendant to just a, a right frequency so that we can get God's wisdom. God's wisdom is here on the page. And we have the luxury in the 21st century of having it with us all the time. We have the luxury of it being very accessible to us in many different uh, English translations that are very good and very helpful. God's wisdom is not lacking among us today. I mean, you can download 1,100 apps on your phone with the Bible on them and get it there. And and I point this out because James' context was a little different. You you have people there, the first century Christians didn't have the Bible as as fully as we do. They didn't have the scriptures uh, as easily accessible as we do. They weren't walking around with Bibles on their smartphones, uh, you know, trolling around Jerusalem. They heard the word of God as it was communicated and read to them on a weekly basis as they gathered in the synagogue or the church together. And so if you're struggling with a decision about what you need to do in life, if you're struggling with a rough situation, you might not be in the context to just go over to the uh, bookshelf where you've got your Bible, pop it open and hear and receive God's wisdom. You've got to go to church where the word is communicated and that's where you're hoping God will speak. And the point here that James is saying is that, that... Every week the word is communicated. If it's faithful and true, as the word goes out, there's God's wisdom from you. As you have the opportunity, brothers and sisters, to read the word of God daily, there's God's wisdom. You don't have to look for other sources. It's here. God's spoken. And in his speaking, he is telling us about how to live. Wisdom is here. So every time we hear the word of God, we're getting his wisdom. One of the ways that you can effectively come to church on Sunday morning is to pray beforehand and to pray the very prayer. God, give me wisdom today. These circumstances are happening in my life. Lead me, direct me. And if you ask in faith, God will give that. I mean, you don't always know what I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach the Bible, but you always don't know where I'm going with that. And yet, here's God's wisdom for us. I've heard so many times, and I love, I'm just encouraged by this. I love when people say that, that was just for me today. Like, were you reading my mail? Did you know what was going on in my life? I don't, uh, but, but here it is. God is gracious to give us his word at the very timely moments that we need it. 
So when we come to the word, we're getting God's wisdom. And what does that do in our life? It results in action. This is what he says in verse 21. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Here's again the posture, humility, meekness. As you hear the word, be humble. Receive with meekness the word of God implanted to you, the word of God, the gospel news that Christ loves you, that he has come for you, he has died for you, he was raised to life for you, that he has ascended on high and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf. That gospel word is there and it is able to save your soul. So receive it with humility and meekness, faith. And as you do, it will transform your life. Here's how we approach the word. James says, 19, verse 19, be quick to hear, so to speak, so to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's maturity, right? Righteousness. It's wisdom lived out. Righteousness. It, it's, no, it's no calculus here for us to see this work out. People that are quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger, they're not quick-fused, they're not going to blow up on the spot. They don't have to say everything and dominate the conversation. But those who are ready to hear and to be slow to speak and slow to anger, that's where the righteousness of God is at work in their life. It's bearing fruit. It's producing lasting fruit. This is how we're to come to the word of God, to God's wisdom, to one another. Slow, short-fused, closed-ear, hard-hearted anger is not the result of wisdom. And I think this is something that sometimes our culture portrays very well in film and, and literature. Who's the wise person in, the, in those stories? It's the calm person. It's the quiet person. It's, it's the sage who is cool as a cucumber, even-handed. Many times they're the old guy in the story, the quiet one. But that's what it looks like as wisdom is played out. There's truth in that portrayal because we know wisdom is applied. It produces righteousness. In James' mind, we ask God for wisdom and he gives it, he gives it through his word abundantly. And so when we come to the word with faith and we come to it with humility, it, God's word works in our lives. James helps us with this. He says, he says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Friends, as a pastor who loves you, I want to encourage you not to just be hearers of the word, my hope is that you don't just show up here on Sunday morning, nice sermon, pastor, thank you, and you're out and it's gone. My hope is that as you hear and give and receive the wisdom of God, which I believe is happening here as I preach week after week, don't become someone who just hears it and that's it. That's where it stops. Be someone who week after week asks, how do I obey this text? What do I do in application of this? How do I obey God's word so that I receive his wisdom so that it bears fruit in my life? Here's what, it's look, here's what it looks like if you hear the word, if you hear the wisdom of God and you do nothing with it. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a person who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he looks like. This is the guy that goes on a date and, and there at the table, as they're having his salad, he says, oh, you know what, excuse me. And he gets up and he goes to the bathroom. 
And, and as he's washing his hands, he looks into the mirror and he's got this silly grin on his face because he's on a date and he's having a great time. And he's like, this is headed forward. This is so great. And he looks in the mirror and there in his teeth is this wedge of lettuce. It's just stuck there. And he sees it and he knows it's there and he smiles about it. And he's like, yeah, there's that lettuce. And he leaves it there. And he walks right back to the table, goofy grin on his face with an awkward piece of lettuce in his mouth, right on his teeth. James says that's the kind of person that hears the word of God, thinks about it, doesn't do anything with it. They're awkward and they're foolish. But he says the one who looks into the perfect law, who hears the law, who hears the word, the law of liberty, and perseveres, they, they take it not just from hearing to acting, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who asks, they'll be blessed in their doing. They'll be blessed is that what you want wisdom to do in your life, to bring that blessing? Again, the negative in verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, he's deceiving his heart. He deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. James has in mind a parallel between religion and wisdom. If you think you're righteous and wise, yet you don't control your tongue, you're deceived. If your mouth makes wreckage of other people, you're deceived if you think you're wise. Your wisdom and your religion is worthless. Instead, here's what maturity looks like. Here's where the blessing is. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. This one, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Psalm 1. That's what maturity and wholeness look like. It's a life of wisdom, a life of blessing, a life of grace. Friends, how do we navigate this world and, and the trials and the struggles and the difficulties of every scenario that we have? We need wisdom. And God graciously supplies it to all who will come in humble faith and ask. He'll give it to you. But in that asking and in that giving, the call is for us to take his wisdom and apply it, to obey it, to receive it and live it out. I mean, if you were a counselor, you wouldn't love it if somebody kept coming to you and you gave them wisdom and advice and counsel again and again and again, and they heard you and then they walked out and they did the exact opposite. God gives his wisdom. He gives it generously. He gives us graciously his wisdom. So let's receive the word with meekness, with humility, and apply that word so that we will continue to grow and flourish and be receive the blessing that God has for us in wisdom. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.